Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Kind of Funny X-Cast, your home for all things Xbox here at Kind of Funny. Of course, I'm one of your hosts, Snowbike Mike, and today I'm joined by just one of my gaming dads, the rogue one, Mr. Gary Witta. Gary, it's been a while. How have you been? Yeah, I was, I was off last week. What, I missed two weeks in a row. I remember. It feels like I've been away for a for a while. And, and, and yeah, I've seen a lot of you this week, Mike, so it doesn't feel like I've been away too much because you and I have been hanging out playing games in... Uh, in other forums, but yeah, I think this is, uh, I think I was been gone for the Xcast for a couple of weeks. I had like various conflicts and weird things happen, but I'm back. I'm ready to talk about Xbox games with you. It's so exciting, Gary. Yeah, I have not seen you on a piece of Xcast content since the Xbox and Bethesda Summer Game That's Showcase. Right, yeah. We'll talk about that. I'll pick your brain about it in just a moment because a perfect segue into that is today we are joined for just a little bit of time to share an awesome game preview that all of you Xbox fans out there want to know about. My good friend, CEO, the big face, the man, the myth, the legend. The big Mr. face. The big face. That's not what I call you cheese, now. Not the face of the company. The big, big face. face. The you old frying pan face of kind of funny Greg Miller. All right, I'll yeah. take it. Here's the deal, everybody out there. You only get a Greg Miller appearance on the X-Cast every so often. So sometimes I get a little nervous. I get inside myself here greg because you are the star you're my mentor and yeah, hero so now i gotta impress greg but greg miller joining us this week on the x cast to start off the show how are you big daddy greg i am great mike and you know i'm happy to be here like you said it's a rare one that i get to come through on the x cast but it makes sense i played an xbox game this week and i can't get it out of my head so i'm excited to talk about it oh man greg okay i like that final statement can't get it out of your head that's a big positive heading into today's awesome game preview but i'll tell you all about that in just a little bit, guys, let's go around the table because I haven't seen Gary since the big showcase. And Greg, you don't get to appear much on Xbox content, but I do love testing you. So let's do two things really quick. One, Greg, tell me one nice thing about Xbox that you love so much right now. Game Pass, are you kidding me? Yeah, I was going to say, that's an easy that's an easy one. <laughs> and it's that thing where it's like, Game Pass is obviously easy to go, Mike, but I, uh, on top of playing uh, this Xbox game as Dust Falls, which, or Dusk Falls, as we'll talk about in a second, like... This weekend, I was in one of those moods. What do I want to play? I don't know what it is. I'm looking for an RPG. What am I going to do? So what did I do? I popped, on, I popped on Xbox Game Pass and just went to RPGs and went through all of them, found stuff I wanted to try, stuff I wanted to play, went that way. Ooh, that's awesome, Greg. Did you see it all on the tiles, the cloud play, where you could just instantly start it up? Did you kick on any of the cloud title games? Oh, that's what I was doing. I had what I was Ooh. using to do a backbone controller on my uh, iPhone itself, using an Xbox uh, streaming right there to go through and do it. Yes, Greg. I'm glad. Okay, so Xbox Game Pass is the big one right now, but let's also move into the Xbox Games Summer Showcase. Of course, we haven't talked to Gary on the show yet about his impressions, 
But really quick from you, what did you think of the show? And what was maybe one of your hidden gems that you loved from the show? If you can remember that far back. What does seem to be quite a, a, a while ago now, right? I really enjoyed the Xbox showcase. I remember I thought it was interesting, right? We all were, we all came away from it positive, and then you saw the reaction online and people being upset that it was going to be, you know, 12 months out of content kind of thing. That didn't bother me at all. So, I mean, like, I think obviously excited for Starfield. That was a huge one for me. Uh, getting to look at more at As Dusk Falls, uh, that was before I had it, before I could actually play it. I was like, awesome you know i, I want to see that but honestly mike one of the things that i came away from because of its immediacy and it kind of reminded me a bit of sea of thieves last year with uh the pirates of the caribbean stuff you and i yes. loved was grounded getting a 1.0 date coming out of early access being a full of quote-unquote full game right like you and me had played a bunch of that and i had played by myself and i really enjoyed what i played of played of grounded early access day one but i did it all and then I was like, all right, I'll come back. And it was like, oh, they've done this little edition and they've done that little edition. And, it, you know, I'm just like, I'll wait for it all to be there. So I'm stoked that that's going to be a finalized game this September. And you and me can jump in there and have some fun. Honey, I shrunk the kids style. Oh, I'm really looking forward to it, Greg. I am looking for that survival base building type game. And I do want to give a good try to Grounded to see if I'll jump into this 1.0 and really stick with me. I liked what we've seen so far. I think I'm excited to see more content. So it will be a really good time. But I'll hold you to that, Greg. Gary Wood, I haven't seen you in two weeks here on the Kind of Funny X-Cast. We haven't seen you or talked to you since the big summer showcase. What were your thoughts and impressions from the showcase, and what were some hidden gems that you loved? Yeah, I talked about it a little bit in a couple of other uh, places on Kind of Funny, but yeah, this is the first time I've had a chance to talk about it on the X-Cast. I, you know, I think I remember saying to you, Mike, when you and I kind of talked about it informally, like I was a little bit... Um, it, felt, it left me feeling a little bit flat. I don't know. I, I kind of felt like the whole thing about you know, only only the next 12 months and gameplay only. I think th I think those were smart decisions. Like, you know, let's not show stuff that's a million miles away and let's not get, you know, caught into that whole like cinematics trap. Like cinematics are great, but they very rarely like give you a sense of what the game's actually going to be like. So to focus on showing like the actual experience of playing the game, the gameplay um, and that 12 month time frame, I think, I think those were sensible decisions. I just wish they had like signposted that a little bit ahead of time to manage expectations. Cause like I right into the last minute, I was thinking, oh, you know, Fable, is it gonna be this? Is it gonna, what are we gonna see? Like, are they gonna show us some really like amazing stuff that's like a little bit farther out, but the stuff we're excited about? No, it was this very, very, you know, restricted um time frame that they had. And I gotta say, there wasn't anything that really blew me away. The, the thing we were all all most excited about going into is Starfield. And I think I wasn't the only one that kind of walked away from that thinking, like, yeah, okay, I'm sure it'll be great, but like. I'm still going to play Starfield day one. I'm still super excited about it. I've been looking for the next big, like Mass Effect style obsession ever since, you know, Mass Effect 3. And I, I'm still very, fairly confident that Starfield can deliver that. But like my excitement for Starfield was not in any way improved or enhanced by what they showed at that showcase. If anything, it kind of brought me a bit, a, a bit down to earth because I, I, I don't know. I, maybe I'd got a bit carried away in terms of like, oh, you know, this is going to be the, you know, the next best thing um you know or the next big thing is going to be so amazing and then when i started i was like oh yeah but like it was always just going to be like another big bethesda sprawling skyrim thing but in space again maybe it's my own fault for kind of thinking that they were going to reinvent the wheel but of course you know why why reinvent that wheel it served them very very well you know through the elder scrolls games and the fallout games now for for you know many many years it's their formula it works for them and now they're applying it in a Mass Effect style universe. I think I, I think it's going to be a ton of fun. I can totally see myself getting caught up in it. I just I, I in in much the same way as that. Remember that Halo Infinite reveal that kind of underwhelmed us all. That's kind of mm. how I felt about this as well. So overall, the showcase left me feeling a little bit cold. But I fully acknowledge that is maybe because I let my expectations run away with me a little bit going into it. 
like that, Gary. And yeah, a couple that have stuck around with me that still get me excited thinking about it, of course, is Forza Horizon 5 DLC coming in July, right? Hot Wheels 2.0. Jumping back into that game is going to be a ton of fun. I've really enjoyed what we got last year with Forza Horizon 5. And of course, getting DLC will reignite that flame and that excitement for racing games, just like it always does. And then High on Life. Surprisingly enough, I was kind of lukewarm on it when we first saw it the moment of. But it's kind of grown on me to the point where I'm still thinking about High on Life and how kind of trippy and weird that is. You know, the Rick and Morty team over there creating some more just oddball, goofball games that I, I think I can get behind. So High on Life is stuck with me, and I kind of want to get into it. So I am looking forward to more details on that and possibly playing that. I, I can't wait. So that one's on my list right now. But yeah, I, I'm excited that both of you are here on the show. We have a ton of fun. We have an awesome game preview coming from Mr. Greg Miller himself, as Dusk Falls will be the preview of the show. Greg will be talking all about that. But before that, let me remind you that this is the Kind of Funny X-Cast. We post each and every Saturday at 6 a.m. West Coast, Best Coast time on YouTube.com slash Kind of Funny Games, RoosterTeeth.com, and of course on podcast services around the globe. Don't forget we are now Epic Games Partners, which means you can support the team in a brand new way. Bye going on over to the epic game store if you're buying games on the pc side of things please use our epic creator code kind of funny at checkout maybe you're buying some v bucks and fortnite upgrading your look you can use our epic creator code there and of course if you're jumping into fall guys which is now free to play on all platforms i'm talking to you xbox best friends you can jump in and support us over there with that epic creator code kind of funny as well and talking about support we want to give a big thank you for those who support us over on patreon.com slash kind of funny games, no matter what tier you're at. Thank you so much. But a big shout out to our Patreon producers for the month of June, Gordon McGuire, Fargo, Brady, Pranksky, Dan, Golden, Spider, B, Tyler Ross, Delaney, Twinning, First Responder, ND, Julian, the Gluten-Free Gamer, James Hastings, and Casey Andrew. Thank you all so much for your support throughout the month of June as Patreon producers. This week, the kind of funny X-Cast is sponsored by Uplift Desks, but we'll tell you all about that in just a little bit. Guys, let's jump into the show today. And I think a big takeaway as well from the Xbox and Bethesda game showcase was Xbox has the games. Game Pass has a diverse lineup of games that you can jump into and just find anything, any genre that you might want to play. And a big one is the upcoming story, narrative-heavy choice and decision-based game of As Dusk Falls. And Greg, you got to preview this game. You went hands-on with it. So I'm going to let you have the floor to tell us all about it. And I'm going to ask some follow-up questions because you and I have played a lot of these choice-based games recently. Sure. And I want to know, does this hold up to those other ones? Yeah, that's a great question, Mike. And it's actually, I think, where I've been, when I've been talking, I was talking to Tim about this earlier today and where I've been talking in general about it. I think, actually, P.S. I love you. I mentioned this briefly when I was promoting my appearance here on the X-Cast. You know, you know, you're welcome. You're welcome, everybody. Uh, it was this, is that, I played, uh, you know, we they gave us early access to As Dusk Falls for the first two chapters. So that's about two hours of content. Uh, obviously, straight through, you can then double back and redo your choices, see different stuff like that. When I finished it and then went about my week, because I played this, I think, uh, Saturday and Sunday or Sunday and Monday, doesn't really matter, right? Uh, but when you and I then went and played Road 96, which is another narrative choice game, right, where you make it and that uh, changes your world, yada, yada, yada. I found myself having such a hard time getting into road 96 because I feel even though it's only been two hours as dusk falls is such a stronger game and such a better presentation of this kind of thing. So 
you know, obviously we're talking about choose your own adventure games. If you've seen it from uh, the presentations before, As Dusk Falls has this painted look. If you're a video watcher right now, you see it right now, right? It's these painted scenes, milestone animate, but there is animation to, as you saw the car a second ago, the air books flying off the shelf now, uh, as these interactive scenes play out and you make choices in them. So yes, if you're thinking of a telltale game, you're on the money, but a more apt comparison of course would be quantic dream uh this is made uh by interior night uh they're a brand new uh studio and their ceo and creative director director is carolyn marshall and i might be pronouncing that wrong uh probably more french than i'm making it out to be but the idea here is that she worked on beyond two souls right she worked on heavy rain and so it's got that kind of narrative choice in it which is very similar to telltale but then accompanied so beautifully by you finish the chapter and just like be uh and i'm sorry just like uh, detroit become human mike you get that giant boom outlook of oh, here are the choices you made on the chart here's where it branches off i have it over here right uh, here's where it branches off and he goes to a different choice here's where it goes to this thing and then they have on the thing they're doing so brilliantly they go through and put a blue line for your current timeline you can go choose where you want to play from when you re go uh, go back there's things that'll be grayed out that'll show you you've previously seen it there'll be a death icon here you've never seen it if it looks like this crossroads outcomes here what the community choice breakdown of percentages is like it's really taking what I think was so great about Detroit Become Human when you finish. You got to see those. Uh, oh, man, I could have gone that way. I wonder what would have happened that way. It's making th taking that and giving you even more information to go off of on it, which I really love. And again, what I would compliment this game on is that, again, it's only two chapters in. There's more to come. I don't, I don't know a lot. I have a lot of questions. And it's a game I haven't been able to stop thinking about. And it's a game that when I finished both chapters, I immediately went back because I wanted to see what other decisions did. And that's usually kind of far, few and far between for me. Like Corey, like we loved do, playing, right, Mike? But I haven't felt compelled yet to sit back down and do another playthrough because there's so much stuff in the middle I'd have to get to to screw around with. Uh, you know, in the old Telltale games for Walking Dead, I, of course, would go through and see everything, every permutation. But then eventually I was just like, you know what? For some of the older, the later stuff, and when, especially when there's so many Telltale games, I wouldn't do that. Here they do a great job of, leaning into and giving you the choices you want to make but then leaving that question to me of like well, what if i didn't do that what if like what, you know there's this scene where uh the you you're playing as the husband vince right and you're uh, you're getting ready to move you've been boxing up all your stuff and i believe her name's michelle i'm trying to look over here to make sure i don't screw it up for what the wife's name is but it doesn't super matter for what i'm saying your wife gets a text message right and then, you know, you, you look at it, you can choose to look at it or not look at it. And then that obviously, what are you going to do for your conversation with her after the fact of if you want to bring up that information or not? And I thought the conversation was so great and natural as I made the normal choices. Like I talked to you about Mike, of course, like, hey, when we're playing Road 96, the fact that it didn't have the exact options I wanted, the exact way to present information didn't piss me off, but it took me out of the experience of like, well, that's not how I would handle this. That's not what I would talk about. Whereas in this one, it's got, the bullets I want for the moment. You know what I mean? I can load the gun however I want to in the conversation so far of getting to use the information I found or not found. Greg, I, I appreciate you coming in and giving us that preview. And I have a lot of questions here. I want to continue to expand on that. Well, like you said, just the first two chapters. Okay, what you got, Greg? Here's what I want you to expand on. Okay. We're about to have what I told you might happen, Mike. All right? Ladies and gentlemen, it's going to be a big day here, all right? Oh, my gosh. I get the first dibs on this? Big you get deal. the first dibs. I wow. am on... Benjamin watch my my, my uh, eight-month-old son here he has awoken from his nap so I am gonna go grab him 
I'm going to turn off the camera. Of course, we're not putting him on camera yet. We want him to make that educated choice on himself. But I'm going to turn off my camera, Raj. I'm going to go grab Benjamin and then continue the preview while holding my son. So one second. Beautiful. Okay. That is uh, something special for all of you X-Cast listeners out there. And, of course, all of the kind of funny best friends. You know that baby BJ is now here. Of course, Gary and Greg Miller, both new fathers here to new babies out there. And, of course, Greg has to be doing business stuff and also baby duty. So he will bring on baby BJ. You won't be able to see baby BJ, but you'll feel his presence. As you now know, this is the first appearance on Kind of Funny Content for baby BJ Miller. And I get the scoop, Gary Whitter. You and I get the scoop here on Kind of Funny X-Cast. Hopefully he throws up on Greg or something crazy like that so we can get a really good one for the thumbnail. But we will get back to As Dusk Falls the preview in just a moment. But to remind all of you kind of funny best friends about this game, don't forget it will be available day one on Game Pass for console and PC. So that's a really big deal. As I talked about before, of course, Game Pass giving you all the options with the genres and the different styles of games. This is something that's not usually my cup of tea, the very narrative-heavy, telltale, choice-based, story-driven games that don't have much gameplay to them. But over time, I've really come to love them from... Telltale's The Walking Dead. I fell off during Game of Thrones. And when they had, of course, Borderlands and Batman, I kind of fell off. Got a little bored of the lack of gameplay there. I liked the story and the choices, but I needed something to grasp me a little bit more. And that's where I think Supermassive, Gary, really did a number for me is when they created Until Dawn and then the Dark Pictures Anthology. I like that they have the really story-heavy choice-based gameplay, but there's also more gameplay to it with the quick time events and kind of being a little bit more on your toes than just watching the movie. And that's what I want to know here from Greg when he returns is when we see As Dust Falls, there's this very unique art style that a lot of people, I think, when they watch the preview of it during the Xbox and Bethesda game showcase, were either turned on by saying, wow, this is so different, this is so unique. And then other people were like, well, why am I watching something in 10 frames a second, I don't like this. I just want a true gamer's game, right? And so for me, I'm kind of right there in the middle of, I'm saying, wow, this looks great, but also at the same time, what kind of gameplay will I expect out of this? Or is it more of a sit back, put your hands on the controller and just do nothing type gameplay here? That's what I want to know from Greg as he settles in with the baby. But Gary, I'll start off with you while he gets settled in. Where do you fall on As Dust Falls right now? Well, I'm actually really interested uh, to talk to Greg about it in more detail because I also had occasion uh, to play the first couple of chapters um, oh, wow. of As, As Dusk Falls uh, because it was an official uh, selection for the recent uh, Tribeca Festival Games competition in, in, uh, uh, on which I was a judge and I got to play five different games um, and As, As Dusk Falls was, uh, was one of them. And I don't think I'm talking uh, too far out of school here because like Microsoft offered me the same you know preview that same two chapters uh, that, for that Greg did, but um, and I said I, I'm good. I, I've already played it because you know it was a Tribeca thing. Um, just on that, and you know, there's there's a, there's a far more detailed conversation we could have, I'm sure. And you know, we've only played the first couple of chapters, but just just one thing on that art style, on that aesthetic, boy, Mike, you really nailed it because I think it is a very polarizing thing. As much as Greg was talking about how he really appreciated that that different aesthetic, that different approach. And there isn't really another game out there that I can think of that takes that kind of that painterly, almost like a storybook approach i actually found it really off-putting and it didn't oh, really wow. at all it totally okay. totally took me out of the story um it's 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 a, it's an aesthetic choice that they made uh not everything can look as good as the quarry you know where you've got like you know hollywood stars and you know big you know it's they spent a lot of money on that on that movie on, on that on that um 
on that game. And, you know, Leah and I have been having a blast playing through it. Just absolutely love the, the, the storytelling, just the schlocky nature of it, the choices, like it's so much fun and it's so beautifully made as dust falls a very, very different kind of experience, tonally, aesthetically, budgetarily, obviously it's a much cheaper game. It's, I, I think it's the, the style that they went with for as dust falls is kind of born out of the fact that it's an indie game and sure. you know they they can't do the kind of production values that something like the quarry does but the particular choice i would i would, would i kind of wish they'd have chosen almost any other aesthetic whether it be traditional wow. kind of telltale style animation live action almost anything other than that kind of motion comic storybook mm. it's kind of animated but not really you can tell that they're real actors that were kind of painted over like you can really see the like the way that it was made and it just, it took me out of it entirely. I, as much as I thought the story was interesting in places and I did, you know, have fun making, I love those kind of, you know, narrative branching games. And to Greg's point at the end, when it shows you all the choices you could have, you could have made alternatively, I find all of that really interesting. I love those kind of games. I just could not get past the art style and that, and that kind of, that, that kind of flip, flip book, you know, storybook sure. style. It, it totally took me out of it. I'm a, to- See, for totally me, Gary, I was surprised how, I was surprised how quickly I adapted to it because mm-hmm. it is different and it is motion comic-y. I know what you're talking about hundred percent there, but I, it was one of those in the very beginning. It is that, okay, well, first off, this guy looks like Alex Van Aken, of course, from Game Informer, our friend and kind of funny best friend. And then you get through that though. And before I knew it, I wasn't thinking about it anymore. Like the performances of the voice acting with you. And I meant to look at credits and I don't even know if it's been announced. I'm pretty sure uh, the Alex Van Aken looking guy there, uh, uh, Vince is played by uh, Elias Tufexis, uh, who was Deus Ex. I think I'm, I, I, you know, I usually have a pretty good ear for it. I would say I was like 90% confident on that. And I thought the performances are so strong that I was into it. Like I, th- I thought the style worked for me. I liked that it looked different. And I like that, you know, we talk about the, you can talk about the quarry and how obviously great, uh, Who's the one girl? But blessings, uh, Brenda, Brenda, Brenda Strong. Strong. Yep. How Brenda great Strong. she looks in it. How amazing she looks in it. And then other times where I was completely taken out of the quarry because it's uncanny valley. Why are their teeth so defined? <laughs> like what is going on with that? Whereas this, I feel obviously is a choice and obviously is the necessity of being an independent studio and a smaller team. But for me, it really worked. I really, I really dug it personally. And I think, and I think when when more people get their hands on it when the game does come out on Game Pass, I think you're going to see that. The, the division that you and I sure. are experiencing right now, I think you're going to see that writ large. Sure. Like, I mean, the quarry is very, very traditional kind of motion capture. We've seen it before, but it's so beautifully done. I mean, it's, it's some of the best performance capture I've ever seen in a game. It really, it, you know, it feels, you know, it, it really kind of puts you there. And I, and I very much appreciated that and just love the kind of the, the high production values of it all. And again, it's not that as, as Dust Fall, it Falls has lower production values. It's really, an, it's an artistic, Makes it's a choice. aesthetic, it's a creative yeah. thing. Some people are going are to are gonna either find it really appealing and it's going to bring them deeper into the story some for some people i think it's going to be a neutral and they're just going to enjoy or or not enjoy the story on its own merits regardless of the style and some people are not going to be able to get past the presentation and i was i was one of those people i could not get past the presentation i'm so glad you guys bring up the presentation and that's what i wanted to start with but there is so much more to break down let's move into kind of gameplay of course gary brings up the quarry Greg Miller, you and I reviewed the quarry over on youtube.com slash kind of funny games. You can check out the games cast and the spoiler cast that we did for it. So when you beat the quarry, you can go find out what we crazy jabronis did during our playthrough. <laughs> but I want to kind of talk about gameplay here, right? Because when you look at the quarry, there's the quick time events. There's a lot of world exploration in telltale games. There was a lot of button mashing quick time events, but also some kind of smaller world exploration compared to the quarry. When you look at this kind of that visual novel 
Are we seeing that, or is it strictly going to be choice-based decisions they, that will be button prompts? No, no, no. You got the choice-based stuff, obviously, where the options pop up, but then there is action, you know, the traditional stuff of picking a lock, holding this, how are you going to open that window kind of thing. But And I'm rusty now. I should have replayed a chapter before I got in here. I'm pretty sure here it's all like, you know, just hold the A button or mash it or, you know, do a swipe with okay. your stick. It's nothing like. Yeah, there's no, there's nothing like the walking. There's nothing like a telltale game or like the quarry where it's where at one point, like you're actually kind of directly controlling a character. Yeah, and no, that never an environment. It really is like more like it's it's the closest thing I've seen to like an old fashioned choose your own adventure book that I've ever seen. Like it really is like flipping through the pages of a storybook. Like here's an image and some story. Here's an image and some story. Now you make a choice and the story will branch. And I think, I, I, again, my memory's failing me. I think there might be a couple of little very quick quick time event type mini games but there's not really like it's not very gamey it really isn't there's there's it, it's it's an interactive storybook is is basically what it is all right all right i like that and let's continue to build off that i want to talk about the voice acting greg you brought it up right and i, I of course i'll keep bringing up the core because that was the latest big game we played but also you and i played road 96 greg right and so mm -hmm. there's two different sides of this coin the quarry brings in the big Hollywood talents, right? The voice acting does feel more natural. Sure, there's some weird off-putting written lines, but you get the best of the best that way. On the Road 96, clearly an indie-driven game, some lower-end voice acting that kind of brings you out of it, as does Falls with this look that we're seeing. How is the voice acting for you and Gary? Of course, I'll start with you, Greg. What did you think of the voice acting? Does it hit where it really pulls you in, or are you pulled out saying, oh, this is kind of like lower quality than I wanted? No, I think it hits personally. Like, and I think that's again to the point of being able to be caught up in a very different art style. Like, I think the fact that Vince is so strong and the relationship with his wife Michelle is so interesting, and they have a daughter named Zoe, right? There's all these, there's it's really a tale right now of two families you're going through, like Vince's and then uh, this other group, right? That uh, are the people, uh, spoilers, who have the guns in there, who are like <laughs> the guys who have been doing the crimes, right? And I'm fascinated for where it's going because right now the first two chapters I'm in are the scenes you've seen I think throughout the trailers right of we're inside this shitty little motel we're kind of being held hostage by this family what is going to go on from here right but the game opens and this isn't a spoiler because I think it's the concept art and probably one of the trailers right opens with Zoe grown up and talking about how their lives changed at with this one like oh. you know robbery gone wrong thing and then we're the two chapters I've played for, have not gotten back to adult Zoe. So it is very much like I'm here seeing where things quote unquote go wrong or where their lives change and how that's going to, you know, influence where we go. But yeah, I think, I think the voice actor for the, the families are great and it's, it is pulling me in. And I think even the, uh, no, Benny, don't touch the microphone. Uh, the kids who are uh, the ones holding us hostage right now are well done. And it's not like, I don't feel, uh, you know, I, I don't know. What I think is interesting about it is I'm sure people will play through this and feel sympathy for the people who are doing the crime, right? Whereas I'm very much, with my family and Vince, very much like, no, like, I don't negotiate with terrorists. And that's the fun of it, right, is you get to go through and play. And I think another one that's uh, fascinating with this is you go through, oh, man, I'm looking at the, I have them playing right now. Vince Walker, not Elias Dufexis. I was wrong. Oliver Britton, you are a great voice actor and sound great. Uh, it, it is very much like I have a, it's, it, it feels a lot like with Lee and Clem in Telltale uh, season one of Walking Dead, right? We're like, no, 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 this is my Lee. This is my Clem. And this is the way I'm doing this family is very much like this is how I want this family to interact with each other and how I want them to, you know, interact with this situation and go on with that. Uh, Eric, do you agree with that? How's the voice acting for you? I thought it was all right. Again, I almost, it's funny. I, I disliked the, the visual presentation so much that I actually thought it would have worked better. Like I, I probably would have enjoyed it more as like a radio drama, like without any visuals 
at all. Because oh. I thought the voice acting was was okay. Um, in terms of like the actual kind of substance of the story and the characterizations, as Greg says, yeah, it's kind of a tale of two families. It's like a, a kind of typical American family that is kind of moving across America for reasons. There's there's some kind of like history there that they hint at, and presumably as the story unfolds, they'll get well, there will be. That. And then there's like this kind of like, band there's, of there's intrigue about this. What what went yeah. wrong with his last job? You know, yeah, I mean, he has a dream about it. He flips the table. I flip the table. I don't know what's happening. And then and then there's this like gang of like teenage bad guys. It almost kind of remind me a little bit of the movie Hell on Hell or High Water. If you've seen that with Chris Pine, um, kind of you know kind of rural kind of bank robber drama type thing and. I don't know. To me, it felt a little bit cliche. You know, there's like the the the, the group of kids are like they're bad kids, but the the one that you one play is like kind of the stereotypical kind of wet behind the ears, like the one who's like he's the nervous the one who's like, family. oh, should we really be doing this? And he's got a heart of gold. With him. He's kind of very gotten pulled in by his family. Yeah, very but I mean, that was the thing is then I appreciated like they were selling me that line, which again is such a stereotypical move, Gary. Right? For like, yeah. okay, this is how the story's gonna go. And so when we when it gets to be, I'm Vince interacting with him, right? And the kid's like trying to sell me the line of bullshit. I'm like, no, get out of here. You suck. You still committed a crime. You're still going to jail. And I'd still kill you if you give me the chance. Ladies yeah, and, when, and, yeah, and the, 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 the section I played, which is that kind of standoff in the motel, right? When the when the family's being held hostage. Like, I think there's tension there, right? And you want and you do kind of sweat over the choices. And it's, you know, there's a couple of oh shit type moments. Like you, I, I felt like I wanted to see what happened next in the story. When my preview it ended, like I felt I wanted to click on the next chapter and and see where the story went went next and like really that's i think in many ways the most flattering thing you can say about a story 100%. right if you, if you want to read the next issue if you want to play the next chapter or watch the next episode then you know the story's succeeding so i you know i when the full game comes out i probably will play all the way through it but it, like i said it will be in spite of the visual presentation and in spite of the fact that i you know I, I think it's interesting anytime a game does try to do something grounded, like there's no, there's no science fiction aspect. It's not Life is Strange where there's like some paranormal aspect to it that kind of takes it out of the kind of the, the normal, like, you know, it's just a drama. This is just a drama. Yeah, and that's cool. And I would like to see more of that kind of storytelling, um, Yeah, not just in the indie space, but in the AAA space. I found that really interesting. But I, I, I think compa to compare it to Quantic Dream and Telltale, like, again, in, like, in terms of like the, the, the narrative backbone and the, and the and the branching and that kind of stuff. Yeah, there's some comparisons there, but I just kind of felt like the visual ambition was, I don't know, I just did not agree with that choice. It's to, gonna be to interesting. Do, to yeah, do that kind of storybook style. It you did not said work for you, me. you said it. And I think it's true. Is yeah, it'll be interesting to see it come out and see the two sides of it because obviously not everything's for everybody. But I appreciate they commit. They have this art style and commit to this art style. But and then I, there's I, a, I yeah. them for trying to do something different, right? Yeah, it's, yeah. it's something different. They do a great job, like I was talking, like of giving you breadcrumbs, and like similarly, like you know, that first chapter is like, you know, why are we? Why is this family moving across the country? You've got your old dad in the back gym, right? Who you guys clearly don't like. What's going on with that? You know, you get into this whole thing with the family of okay, cool, and then chapter two starts with the flashback to you packing up your old apartment and moving off and getting a few answers there. But also, like chapter one does a great job of when things are getting hot and uh, hot and heavy in a bad way, right? You talk to your wife or your wife and also about that argument and, and you're like, don't even worry about it right now. We have other things. And then you get to have that argument, right? In, in, in chapter two and get it, which is exciting for me because with the old dad, Jim, right? They've peppered in that he knows more about the hotel you're at than he's letting on. And I can't wait to find out what that's all about. And this random yeah, there was, in, there was definitely some intrigue. And like I said, there's two or three moments where you definitely go like, Oh shit. Right. Like those kind of, um you know kind of twisty moments i actually want to ask you a specific question greg sure. and this will this will be apparent to people when they play the game did you because it was a choice moment did you pee in the bottle no i did not pee in the <laughs> bottle 
Yeah, when they went, did you? I didn't. I didn't either. But then, what was interesting about that was like the way the game plays out immediately after is like, oh, it's a good thing I didn't pee in the bottle, right? They, oh. they kind of make. There's, there's the. They, they, I like think what I don't like, and the quarry does this actually, and the Walking Dead did it. It wasn't my favorite thing um, about these kind of games is when they tell you what an important choice is like sure, that yeah, yeah, you, yeah. you just you just did a critical thing i don't know if there's like some game design reason why games typically do that and say oh what you just did is going to affect the future going on in reality most of the time that you make a choice you don't know right in real life when you make a choice you don't always know if it's going to be you know an, a, an important decision or an innocuous one like sometimes only in retrospect you go oh if like choice that I, that I that thing that i chose to do last year that i thought wasn't a big deal at the time yeah. turned out it was a big deal or so or a choice that you really sweat over you know, as time goes out, you realize the events play out. Oh, it wasn't actually that big a deal. I kind of wish that narrative games reflected that uncertainty a little bit more. It's not like, oh, I just made a really important choice. Like games telegraph that a lot. And it's not my favorite thing about these kind of narrative branching games. The quarry does it too. I love the quarry, but I don't like it. I don't like that it does that when it goes like choice made or like that's a big decision. That you He'll just kill made. you for I kind that. Of wish I'll never forget that. A bit that. more yeah, opaque yeah, yeah. about that. That's, like, I don't hate it personally. Like, I, I, I like it in the way it gives you context for what's going on. But then, yeah, like, I, Corey especially, right, of, like, we talked about this in the review, right, of, like, oh, I use one of my rewinds. Oh, I've gone back. Oh, when, they, when he said he'd kill me for that two and a half hours ago, that's the choice. Well, fuck. Right, exactly. You know I mean? like, Being, I, only I, in retrospect do you realize how important your choices were. I think it would be an interesting way to do it. And that's the thing where it's, like, with this one, I, I appreciate, like, I was talking about the very top of it, of, like, how the branching trees are there. You can see what the big choices were and where the changes were. And, Mike, yeah, just to confirm, I opened it up because I'm so rusty. But, yeah, it is. This is the swipe up or hold A's or whatever. Like, those okay. are slapping. Getting, okay. getting over yeah, the Yeah, very simple QTEs. Picking the lock. But, yeah, otherwise it's moving the cursor around, as Gary was talking about, for, like, a choose-your-own-adventure to click on and explore and move something oh, your okay. character doesn't move it's you moving around clicking on what you want and then obviously dialogue yeah, i mean there's no there's no actual like en like environmental engine right or or characters characters that you move around like every, everything that you see is essentially that in in that storybook cinematic kind of mode yeah that that animation okay. in quotes of how they yeah move the characters around also greg you were right actually elias is vince but his uh the other person is his uh the visual uh actor so right. oh, thank you very much. That was mm -hmm. super confusing. God, because I don't want to get rusty at that. The voice yeah. game I got, Mike, I got it unlocked. I don't want to get rusty at that. I put out that commercial uh, the other day about uh, Got Milk when I was referencing how we knew nothing about Alexander Hamilton or Burr until that, or until the, the thing, but, uh, until the musical, but the, the the Got Milk commercial. And as soon as I listened to it, I was like, oh, that's, I didn't even realize because I was a kid. That's Rob Paulson. That's Yakko right there. You know what I mean? Bam, nailed it. You're always on it, Greg. And I want to wrap up this preview and your time with us just finishing off with the choices and the decision-making, right? That's a sure. big one that drives these kind of story choice-based games that everybody wants to know. And you talked about the quarry and the quarry had the, of course, camp counselors. Will they live? Will they die? And when I really, from me listening about your preview, I'm really excited about the Detroit Become Human, kind of pull it all back and see the different branches that you can choose and where everybody has gone. I really, really enjoyed that. And I don't think we get enough of that in the super massive games i'd love for them to figure that out for like the quarry and beyond of sure. this is what everybody else voted for but like did you feel like your choices mattered were 100%. they impactful and then were there moments where maybe you wish immediately you went back do people die will they live like what did you experience in these first two hours choice wise so choice wise yes the choices i feel that matter like i said there was the conversation about the phone that leads to an argument right i went back and replayed that and did it a different way and answered things different or didn't engage on certain topics and it didn't end where i thought it would end which was sexy time 
but okay. it okay. still ended in a way that I thought was satisfying and different. You know what I mean? Where it was like, oh, that's not how that was. That's not how it was originally going to go. Yeah, it makes sense there. And then, yeah, like here there's cho- people you, people can die in this game. Uh, I don't know, you know, how many and I haven't gone through and run every scenario. But for sure, there's there was at least one death in my game. And it is that question then of like, okay, I could have gone back and played it differently because then people do start treating me differently, obviously, based on what happened there. And so oh, I'm like, impressed. That's there for you for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And I will say one thing that I do really like because I liked it a lot in Detroit Beyond Human. And I like to do the same thing here. As like I said, after the fact, you get that kind of post mortem when it gives you the here's the path you took, but here's like all the roads not traveled. Here's all the different branches that you could have gone down. Because I think it really kind of demonstrates, oh, that I remember with Detroit Beyond Human and also with this one, I was like, wow, the game is actually branchier than I appreciated in the moment it'll be kind of cool to go back and see those different branches and it does actually make you it, it compels like, a lot of these games i think really benefit from second and third playthroughs right when you try sure. when you experiment with different choices um and when you see just how much else like just how divergent the story can be because it literally shows you i think it helps it, it you're more likely to go back for a second playthrough when you and see again, just how much the story can be different and rather than like you know what i was complaining about Corey throwing me back and grant that was a choice of you know do you want to go back and save this kind of thing uh you know this one with the 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 branching tree right where you can see the whole tree is there so what you haven't seen is completely grayed out but you know that like right here i'm looking at what's going on here right and there's a section called i won't even say what it is because i guess it's a spoiler right but there's a section where this is where my guy died and there is the up line or the down line uh and my down line you know is this guy dies that guy dies or this person dies this person dies and then it branches off into what could be four outcomes and i have the one outcome so i could have gone up there but where I'm driving at this what as a compliment is that when I look at this, I can go back to any one of those scenes that I've played through, click on it and start from there. And when you start from nice. there, you can yes. overwrite your save. So if somebody died and you really don't want it, you overwrite your main save, or you can go into, I think it's exploration mode is what they call it. I guess I don't have to guess. Cause I can click on it where you can say, all right, I want to replay this. And I want it to be, you know, through this exploration part of it. Okay. Then this is how it's going to go and blah, 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 blah. Oh, I really like that. I really do appreciate that. And I, I am really excited after hearing both of your previews right here. I hope. You know what? Hold on. I'm wrong. I'm wrong. I'm wrong. Oh, yeah. You can't jump from that choice. You can just see that choice. So oh, I can't okay. jump straight to it from here. Unless, hold on. If I do play chapter. We're going to live in an action. I'm gonna, I'll hold on. Yeah. I, well, I, you know, I always want to get it right. I like I wanna, that. I, I like that. Get it right up. for our audience. Yep. Because I just jumped into something differently. How did I do this a second ago, Mike? Oh, okay, yeah, okay. So there, it's not it's not uh, every scene, the ones indicated with a play button are, and so that like, I can't jump straight to the thing I just told you about, but I can go back, two little choices beyond that, okay, okay. and play from and play from there. So there you go. I do really appreciate that, and of course, I hope you, the audience, the Xbox fans out there, appreciated our As Dusk Falls preview right now from Greg Miller and Gary Witta. Of course, this is going to be available July nineteenth, just around the quarter. It's coming day one xbox game pass and of course if you'd rather purchase it looks like it's a 30 dollar purchase as well so if you're interested in that keep your eyes open for it why would you do that get game pass you know what yeah. i want yes best Greg deal Miller. in gaming there we go get the pom-poms up because that's what they call us the cheerleaders over here gary what a great job on that greg miller thank you for joining us on today's kind of funny x cast to give us that preview hope you nothing but well wishes and happiness one final word for the xbox audience before you go I hope I'm invited back to review this game with y'all because I'd love to come oh. back and talk about that. Yeah, I, I'm interested. Like that. I said, I, I just want to be clear on this. Like, ultimately, I enjoyed it. I, I, I'm a sucker for these narrative-based games. I love making choices, and and it, it worked for me. Like, I was always always interested to kind of turn the page and see what the next choice was. Again, though, that was in that was in spite of the 
of the art style that I found off-putting. But I, I, the fact the fact that I really didn't engage with the with the art style, but I was still compelled to keep turning the page. I think you know speaks to the story and the choice and the way that they crafted the choices. Because I was definitely interested to see what happens next. And based on those first two chapters that we played, uh, yeah, when the game drops on July nineteenth, um, I I, yeah, I I can definitely see myself like playing through the rest of it just to see how you know you want it, it gets its claws into you enough that you definitely want to see how how the story turns out. All right. Well, we'll be finding out more very soon here in July. But with that, Greg Miller, go have a wonderful weekend. And we're going to pause to talk about our sponsors. And then when we come back, we're going to have the ultimate pick em from a kind of funny best friend who sent in a user-submitted question where we're going to build the ultimate Xbox game collection. We'll see you right back here after a word from our sponsors. Shout out to Uplift for sponsoring this episode. I've been using my Uplift desk for well over a year now. I love the thing so much I decided to write a rap song for them. The build quality is real good. It's made of real high quality wood. They didn't ask for it. I just did it anyway. Getting my Uplift desk immediately improved my mood. Whenever I'm on shows, I'm standing up. I'm feeling a lot more energetic. And also, I kind of feel like I was just maybe creating some bad habits sitting down at a desk all day. I would move my legs up. I'd sit underneath my legs on my chair. And eventually, all that stuff just created really bad back pain for me. Choose from laminate, whiteboard, bamboo, solid wood, butcher block, or even custom solid wood or laminate options. Uplift Desk won New York Times Wire Cutters Best Standing Desk from 2019 to 2022. And while I'm at it, I'm just going to give them an award as well. Best Standing Desk that I use in my bedroom from when they sent it to me until now. Uplift Desk have a 15-year warranty. They ship the same day you order with free shipping and free return shipping. So if you've been feeling the effects of sitting at a desk for eight hours a day, maybe you want some more energy in your life. Maybe you want to do squats in the middle of a Zoom call or something. Uplift your life. Go to kindoffunny.com slash uplift. Bye, guys. Thank you so much for Greg Miller for joining us. We are now back after that ad break. And like I said, Gary Witta, it's kind of a slow news week. We have some other news to get into, but I thought we'd have a little bit of fun right now, you and I here on the podcast. And of course, for everybody watching, whether you're watching live on the Patreon pre-show, thank you all so much for being here, Kevin Asex, Eric Z, and so many others. Or if you're watching over on youtube.com slash kindoffunnygames, You'll see Roger, our producer for the day, pulling up some of the images. But don't worry if you're audio listener. I'm going to give you all of the breakdown. This was submitted by our good friend BJ Bernardo, friend of the show. He put out a tweet that said, yo, Snowbike Mike, maybe this is a great little fun side topic for a week of XCast. And this is going to come on Twitter from Xbox News at underscore Xbox News. And this has the ultimate, you can only pick one, game from each row so gary Witter, we're going to go row by row and i want you and i to create the ultimate xbox collection the collection that you would want now of course everybody watching listening out there you're probably going to pick a little bit different than me and gary so i want to know in the youtube comments down below what did you pick for your five selections but gary let's take it up to row number one you can only pick one out of these five games halo three doom Sunset Overdrive, Blue Dragon, or Fable 3. You hear those five? I'll give it to them one more time for the audience. I want you to select one. Halo 3, Doom, Sunset Overdrive, Blue Dragon, Fable 3. What are you selecting, Gary Widow? I think I would probably pick Doom just because if you want like a straight up, you know, first person, fast action shooter doom is is pretty much i mean obviously doom eternal is, is taking it even to the next level beyond that but the the you know the the reinvention the the modern day kind of reboot remaster mm. of doom 
I think is is as as close to just like balls to the wall, you know, shooter perfection as you can get. Like they they really did just nail it. Such a fun time. Isn't it so badass, Gary? This is the stuff when I talk with my two gaming dads, right? Being the youngster here, I didn't have the original Doom or the OG Wolfensteins. And to see what Bethesda has done revamping and reimagining and bringing these worlds back to life with the new Doom and the new Wolfensteins, this has been a blast for me as a new onboarded fan. I love these games. And I think Doom and Doom Eternal are super badass, right? The awesome music, the killer fast-paced gameplay, and just in-your-face scary-looking monsters. I'm all about Doom. So that's a that's a very solid choice, Gary, with it to start off with a, a high-octane first-person shooter. Now, I'm going to cheat a little bit. And for everybody that's watching, you get to kind of cheat with us. If you're an audio listener, you're kind of flying by the seat of your pants. But I did say we're going to try to build the ultimate Xbox collection out of these 25 titles down to just five. And so I'm kind of big brain in it, Gary. I'm trying to gonna hit a couple of genres in here so I have enough to play if I was trapped on an island, right? Okay. And so when I look at it, I look over at Halo 3, one of my all-time favorites, right? I'll never forget senior year of high school, staying up for the midnight launch, playing it all day and night, right? This was the game that I played every single night because the multiplayer was so good. The story was a ton of fun. You had campaign co-op, which unfortunately we don't have in Halo Infinite. That's a little jab right there, but that's a very special game. I just talked about Doom. Then I turned my attention. Sunset Overdrive, Gary. One of the best over on the Xbox mm -hmm. One generation. A game we still talk about to this day from Insomniac. The movement, the open world traversal, the fun kind of like wacky punk cartoony characters, the ooze. Uh, I thought that was a really special one. And then I look, I don't know what Blue Dragon is. And I know a lot of people in the comments will probably be mad at me, but uh, this was one that definitely was not on my radar back in the 360 days, I believe. And then Fable 3, is that the best Fable, Gary Witta, out of the three? I don't think so. I think it's I Fable mean, the, 2 for me. The thing about this grid, just in general, is there's no, there's no real bad choices, right? I mean, the whole point of this grid is they're, 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 they're all hard choices because they're all good games, but for that yeah. reason, there's no real bad choices. It really just does just come down to a matter of taste. Yeah, and so it is tough because I... One side of me says, Mike, you should lock in a good open world game and Sunset Overdrive has all of those features that you loved, kind of like third person over the shoulder, shooter. It's got great traversal. It is it is fun and wacky, but I think I got to lock down a really good first person shooter. I got to lock down the iconic Master Chief and the multiplayer. So for me, Gary, I'm going to kick, I'm going to pick with my number one. Halo three off. Yeah. I, I, that's not a great surprise. I mean, they're, again, they're both, they're both very similar flavors. You know, they're both great first. They're both classic first person shooters. Again, I come more from the kind of classic PC gaming background. I'm old enough to replay doom when it first came out. And I was just so amazed at how they kind of captured the old school feel of doom while completely kind of dragging it, kicking and screaming into the 21st century. That was amazing. But again, Hey, like I said, there's no like halo three. Like how can anyone really complain? Especially if you're a halo fan. Like, I mean, that's a high point of the series. Oh, it, oh, man, what a high point it was, Gary. I'll never forget all of the fun times. That Hayabusa armor set, Gary, that's all I ever wanted, and it was the baddest armor set around. Now, of course, I wouldn't be a good host without bringing in our part-time director and producer, Roger, off the bench. Roger, I need you, hmm. spur of the moment, to give me one out of these five right now. I think it has to be Halo, right? Okay. Hey, yeah. Okay. yeah, you made a great choice. You made a good choice. All right, Roger's going to go with Halo 3 as well for me. That means we go down to the second row. The picks continue to increase in a little bit of spiciness here because we have Ninja Gaiden 2, 
Fears of War 2, Ori and the Will of the Wisps, Quantum Break, Lost Odyssey. One more time for everybody listening out there. That is Ninja Gaiden 2, Fears of War 2, Ori and the Will of the Wisps, Quantum Break, Lost Odyssey. Gary Witta, I turn to you first again. Where are you leaning here on the next five? I'm going to go with Gears of War 2 because I'm a huge fan of the early Gears of War games, the first three in particular. And Mike, you'll correct me if I'm wrong. I may be wrong, but I think I'm right. Isn't Gears of War 2 the one that has that level where you're inside a giant thing and you're like using the chainsaw to like slash through its guts and stuff? Yes, inside the worm. That to me Mm -hmm. is one of the most fun levels I've ever, I love that. You just brought me to a place. Oh my God. It was so much fun. It was such a clever and cool concept for a video for a for a video game level i still think about it all the time and i for that level alone gears of war 2 very very special memories for me man gary is awakening some memories for me and roger (laughs) right now because i did not think about that moment and then as i'm googling it over here because i there's so much to the gears of war franchise we're here on gears 5 now we've had a couple offshoots and like gears is a very special franchise to xbox fans all around and i think all of us can name a couple of big moments that you'll never forget, right? And when I think of Gears 2, I had to Google it, Dom's wife, right? Like, that was a big touching moment when Dom finds his wife and what has gone down with his wife. I think that's one I'll never forget. And actually, when I look at the Gears franchise, I think Gears 2 is my favorite out of the original three, right? When I look at that, I think Gears 1 popped onto the scene and wowed me. I think Gears 2 crushed me and had me engaged with the story. And then Gears 3 I liked as well, but... Gears 2 is a solid pick, Gary, but I'm actually going to go against you here. And I'm going to go with Ori and the Will of the Wisp. This is the second Ori game. And man, oh man, did I get lost in the soundtrack. Shout out to Gareth Coker on the track, who absolutely crushes the music. Then on top of that, the just punishing platformer action adventure that is Ori and the elevation of what they did with the combat inside of this the big map in the world that you could just get lost in the Metroidvania style. This one was really special to me and I'll never forget Ori and how that challenged me to step out of my comfort zone of the normal bro shooter, AAA first person shooter games and try something different. And Ori was that game for me. And so it holds a really special place in my heart and I absolutely love it. I mean, the visuals, the music, the gameplay is fun. That is a killer game. So I got to give my pick the Ori, just because I'm rounding out my collection, but I, I like that you went with Gears of War 2. I also see Quantum Break over there, and I think Quantum Break is a 50-50 game for a lot of people. I really love what they did, Gary, if you, you remember. Mike's audio? Hello? Yep, I hear him. Okay, this is Mike talking to you, Gary Witta. Is that me? Sorry, it might be my headphones again. That's right, Gary Witta's going to fix his headphones. But, uh, of oh. course, I'll talk. Uh, I'll bring it up before I get to get, uh, Quantum Break. Ninja Gaiden 2, Roger in the audience, mm. never played any Ninja Gaiden games. Same. I believe they're punishing fast action adventure, like hack and slash type games, but never played that. Lost Odyssey, another game, never played that one. I know a lot of people are going to pop off for Lost Odyssey, but what I was getting at, Gary, since you're back now, yeah, sorry, is I Quantum said Break. Out there. That's one of those games I think is like a 50-50 coin toss for people who really liked it and what they did, and then people not loving it, essentially, or maybe not giving it a try, because this was the one... That was like blended with like live action, like full on episodes during the gameplay that you would play. And then you'd get to like an episode with your choices and what would happen. And they actually had like 
real life TV drama going on on that. I thought that was kind of cool as well. Yeah, like I said, no bad choices, right? Ori is a, I mean, they're all very, very different games. So it really just comes down to like, what kind of games do you like? What appeals to you? Um, like Gears of War 2 and Ori are like as, as, as different on the spectrum as you could possibly imagine, right? In terms of gameplay style, kind of the tonality of it. Um, but no, I mean, I, I remember the first time that I played the first Ori game, just being completely blown away, just just how like visually, you know, beautiful it was. Like watching this beautiful kind of, you know, animated movie. And it's, um, yeah, it's, 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 a, it's a legit choice. You, you can't really argue with any of these choices. Roger, we turn to you. Row number two, what are you going to select, buddy? You know, I think you and I are thinking very similar. I'm thinking, oh. you know, how can I, What if I were to pick these games to show to somebody, you know what I mean, if they know nothing about Xbox. And I think Ori is the right choice. We already got a shooter. Even though I love Gears of War 2, it's one of my favorite games. Ori, I think, is the is the right one to show. Nice selection. All right, everybody. I hope you're keeping up. I hope you're writing down your favorites in the YouTube comments because I can't wait to see your five for the Ultimate Collection. Let's keep it moving. The next row, row number three. Of course, we have Elder Scrolls V, Skyrim, Hellblade's The Newest Sacrifice, Forza Horizon 4, Banjo-Kazooie, and State of Decay 2, Juggernaut Edition. One more time for all you audio listeners out there. Row number three has Elder Scrolls V, Skyrim, Hellblade's The Newest Sacrifice, Forza Horizon 4, Banjo-Kazooie, and State of Decay 2. Jay Witta, I turn to you for the first pick again on row number three. What are you leaning towards here? Well, Paris obviously couldn't join us this week, but I think we all know what he would pick from this from this row yep, if he were yep. here. Um, for me, I'm going to go with Forza Horizon 4 because of all the Forza wow. Horizon games, this is my favorite because of the British the British countryside setting. Again, this is all comes down to personal taste, right? This is I I, I imagine most people would say like, oh, but how you got to go with Skyrim, one of the greatest games ever made. Mm-hmm. I did play Skyrim. It's obviously again, it's a game that I admire tremendously. It just wasn't my cup of tea um forza horizon though i was really really again for someone who was like born and raised in the uk and like spent the first 25 years of their life there riding around the, the those those kind of winding british country roads that are so beautifully rendered and so authentically done there was just a that really it was it, was, it, it appealed to me perfectly like if i'm gonna if i was gonna play any forza horizon game it would be four just because the setting oh. was you know it spoke to me it, it, it's where i'm from i love that gary and you know i've talked some trash on the Forza Horizon 4 uh, setting. I know you were very mad at me. I did not dig the UK countryside. I did not like that. It's not where I wanted to go after the Australian outback and seaside that we had in Forza Horizon 3. And so for me, Forza Horizon 4 didn't talk to me, but the big kudos that I'll give it and the flowers it deserves, the DLCs were incredible, Gary. That's when you got Lego Speed Champions. That's when you got Fortune Island. Like they crushed it with the DLC on Forza Horizon 4. So it's tough because, man, it is a fun game, and I like those DLCs a lot. I just didn't like the countryside over there across the pond, and I'm very pleased with where we are now with Forza Horizon 5. But when I look at it, right, State of Decay 2, I kind of like State of Decay 2. I think there's some disappointment moments here with the multiplayer when we're talking about host and other players joining you in the progression and how that's shared and how that's built. And I really look forward to see what they do building into that for State of the K3. But when I turn over to the big two that I'm going to look at, it's, of course, Skyrim and Hellblade. And I just played Hellblade very recently with Andy Cortez, and it was a ton of fun. It was a very different game than what I'm used to. And I really enjoyed the audio and what they did. I did like the storytelling. The combat was a little lacking, as most people bring up, but I don't think that was the main focus 
of the game from that team over there. But of course, I'm going to go with Skyrim, Gary. You can't go wrong with a game of a generation, one of the best games ever made. I'll buy it on any console that Todd Howard and the team want to put out because Skyrim is just that much fun. There's so much creativity. There's so much player choice. Every single time I start that off and I wake up inside of the back of the wagon and the guy looks at me and goes, who are you? And I'm like, gosh, darn it. Who the heck am I today? Am I a Khajiit? Am I going to be the lizard? Who am I going to be? And it's just my absolute favorite. And just anytime you boot up Skyrim, that oh wow moment coming out of the dungeon after being a prisoner and almost getting your head chopped off and the dragon, like it's just that freeing moment of like, you can do anything. And I'm usually stick to the script, follow the quest line and keep following down the golden path. But like sometimes I get a little weird and I just go off the beaten path game. And it's just so much fun. I mean, if the criteria for this were a little different, Mike, if this were like, you can only have one game on a desert Island, right. For the rest yes. of your life, that probably the Skyrim probably is the game that most people would pick. I would probably even pick it because like my initial resistance to it, like I would try to push past it and get into it because once you get into that world, right, the scope and scale of it is there's nothing else on this grid that even comes close, right? This is a world that you can live in for a very, very long time. And then, like you said, there's always something new to discover that there's this vast, vast universe to explore. There's so much to do um, that I think if you were looking for a game, like just purely in terms of like the, the longevity of its appeal, there's nothing in the same category as Skyrim on this grid. Oh my God. No, yeah. Nothing on this row right here and really nothing out of the 25, uh, except for down at the bottom, we'll talk about it. But like, it's just, it goes to show you, Gary, the excitement that I, and I'm sure many others have for what Todd Howard and the team are going to do with Starfield of like, you know, they're going to hit you with the narrative, right? They're going to hit you with those wow factors and the story that they weave from the main overarching quest and like what's going on in the, in the big world to the side quests, right? I'll never forget Skyrim being in one of the first towns and getting two love letters from two jabronis who loved the bartender at the local keep, right? And like, I got to pick who she fell in love with and who she hated. And then I murdered the other guy because he was lying about the other guy. And it's like, this is the stuff that I get lost in. And Todd Howard and the team, they do that. And the idea of like going in a cool sci-fi world, the NASA steampunk type thing is going to be wild. It's going to be adventurous. And I really can't yeah. wait to see what they do. Cause we saw on the opposite side, outer worlds from obsidian was fun. It was different, right? It was an exciting time. It's going to be a little more grounded with, of course, Starfield. And I'm excited to see that kind of story and what they create. Yeah, and that's why, to go back to what we said earlier in the show, even though I was a little bit underwhelmed by what they what they showed of Starfield, I still am very excited for it because I want that, I want that experience. I'm looking for that next big escape, right? I've said this a million times on the show, but for me, these kind of, yeah, like Mass Effect is a good example of this. Uh, GTA is another really good example of this. I, the, the, my favorite games, I don't think of them so much as a game I play, as a place I go to. And, you know, the world, the world of Skyrim and potentially the world of Starfield, certainly the world of Mass Effect. I love the Mass Effect games. I just get lost in that world. And there's always something new to discover. I, I love the idea of, um, you know, just being invited into this other universe where you can just kind of forget everything else that's going on in the real world and, and disappear into a completely different reality. I think Starfield has that potential and, and Skyrim probably more than any other game demonstrates why it does have that, right? Because Bethesda know how to make these incredibly um involved worlds gary it gets me so excited and you know here's another fun one just to flex my nerd right now because i'm a mega nerd roger as you're listening to this the mm. only other video game book i've ever read besides the halo books is a skyrim book wow. i have actually multiple <laughs> elder 
Elden, uh, Elder Scrolls Skyrim books that I read. From and start I to really, finish? I really, really enjoy them. Uh, yes, start wow. to finish. I really enjoyed it. It was wow. actually a lot of fun. So those are my two books where, like, you jump from video games to, like, what more can I get of this? I did jump into the Elder Scrolls books, so that's kind of funny that right there. That is hardcore. You get props for that. Let's uh, go down to row number four as we keep it going for everybody out there. Your next five are going to be Forza Motorsport 7, Killer Instinct, FIFA Pinata, Viva Pinata, said FIFA Pinata, <laughs> uh, Fable 2, that. and Quake. Of course, for all the audio listeners, one more time, it's Forza Motorsport 7, Killer Instinct, Viva Pinata, Fable 2, and Quake. Gary Witta, what are we adding to your collection here? Forza Motorsports out right away because they just don't like the motorsport games. They're too mm. they're too simmy. They're too fiddly for me. Again, I would prefer I've had to play Forza. I'll always go to Horizon. Killer Instincts out because I don't I don't really enjoy fighting games. Viva Pinata. I remember playing it a lot when it first came out on the 360. But the it's it's too saccharine. Like it try it tries so hard to kind of like look at how cute we are. Look at how cute we are. In the end, it, it ends up to me being like I just want to like throw up. Uh, Fable Two would probably be my second choice here because I do love all of the Fable games. But it's a nostalgia pick, but screw it. Nostalgia is a valid, you know, factor here. It's got to be Quake again. I'm, a, I'm, an, I'm an old school gamer. I loved, loved Quake back in the day. It was revelatory playing on what it, whatever I had back in the day, a classic crappy kind of Pentium 90 PC. Um, it, was, it was incredible. It, it really did kind of like open our eyes in terms of what was going to be possible in the world of first person shooters going forward. And I had cause to revisit it recently. It got this incredible RTX ray tracing glow up. I don't know if you had a chance Ooh. to play it, Mike, but on uh, on Xbox and on PC, it's basically the same game, but with this incredible ray tracing lighting filter they added on top of it. I don't know if, you, if you've ever played like Minecraft, ray trace Minecraft, but it really, it really goes to show just how amazing ray tracing and good lighting effects can be in a game where they don't update, update any of the other graphics obviously the frame rates improved because you know my pc these days is a little bit better than the pentium 90 but you know it's it's no necessarily any high resolution it's basically the same kind of graphics they didn't retexture anything but just by adding that different lighting pass that ray trace lighting it totally brings the game alive in a, in a completely new way and makes it feel fresh and new and current and modern and i just loved it i really really enjoyed as I did recently, going back to Quake and having all of the cold old, the old school vibes because it's the same game, same graphics, but that RTX lighting pass they added to me just made it absolutely beautiful and and vivid and new again. And I really really enjoyed uh, that hit of nostalgia that I got from revisiting the uh, the RTX version. Ooh, and we're, okay. we're seeing some of it right now. Look at the difference. Yeah, it makes. some good lighting, right? Can really play a factor on even old school games like this. Dang, huge. Huge. Now here's what I I want to I want you to help me, Gary. You're my gaming dad, and you and Paris have been so good with like educating me on some of the older games that I don't know about. Right, Quake is in that lineup when I think of, of course, Doom and Wolfenstein, and I don't know anything about Quake actually. When I think of when you say Quake, my mind somehow jumps to Unreal Tournament, right? Which I think we've seen over mm -hmm. on the Xbox side before. Right? I, I remember Unreal Tournament. I've played before on console, so I've never played a Quake game. What can I expect out of Quake? Is it just Doom from the looks of what we just saw? What What is Quake, Gary? You should absolutely go get the, the RTX version of this and give it a try, either on your Xbox or on your PC. It's going to look okay. amazing either way. The thing that, the, the thing that um, I was reminded of when I went back and played it after all these years is just how different shooters are today than, than how they were then. And not necessarily 
uh, better or worse. Some people might tell you, might, might say, and I, I think there's something to be said for it, that, you know, the old school Quake style shooters actually have something that's been kind of been lost. These days, a lot of shooters that you play are slower paced, more methodical, more critical path. There's not a lot of exploration. You can't really get lost. The game's always kind of telling you where you need to go next, right? In a game like Quake or like even further, you know, its predecessor Doom, the maps tend to be more maze-like. You can explore more and they're really, really, really fast. Like, you, like a good Quake player will just bomb through a level so, so fast. And again, now you, and you can do that now with the faster frame rates more than you ever could. Like you could, like it's, it's a very, very, very fast paced game. The only thing that I can, and it's not a good comparison in any other, any other way, but the only thing that I can think of in terms of like that kinetic, that frenetic level of speed is something like Overwatch. You know how like Overwatch is so fast that unless you know exactly what's going on, you it's just chaos, you can't even follow it. That's what old school shooters used to be like. like Quake used to be like that. When we used to play Quake in the PC gamer office, where if you were good at it, like, you know, all the kind of the, the snap 360s with the mouse and stuff like that, it's just such... A fast-moving game. You sprint. You know, when you're, you're 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 never walking. You're always sprinting. Everything is fast, fast, fast. Unreal Tournament was a lot like that. And I don't I don't know if there are that many games these days in the modern shooter space that are really like that. I mean, Fortnite and games like that do have kind of like fast-paced battles once you get into close combat. But there's also a lot of just kind of like wandering around, meandering. When you play a game like Quake or Unreal Tournament, one of those kind of '90s era shooters, you never get a second to breathe. Like you're always, always going hundred miles an hour. And I, I, I kind of love that. And I kind of miss that from modern shooters. All right, Gary. I like that. I think of when you say like really fast twitchy type shooters, yeah. I think of like modern day ones, like uh hyperscape that we saw coming from Ubisoft that kind of lived and then died. But like, that was that one where like I jumped into that. I was like, Oh my gosh, it's too fast. I can't right. keep up with this, but I could see where the mouse and keyboard would come into it. Um, I just had one on the top of my tongue, but I lost it, but okay, Quake. I'll I was going to say, an that. interesting thing, Mike, maybe that's coming back because I'm, I'm looking at Neon White right now and thinking, you know, maybe that kind of like hyper, hyper kinetic, hyper speed gameplay mm. is coming back into fashion because it's all about speed, and I love that. Yeah, I think people really like the speed factor, a really tight first-person shooter with good gunplay, but also that momentum, right, that kind of flow where you go from one area to the other and you're just knocking off enemies going towards that finish line. I think a lot of people really, really like that. What I was going to bring up, Gary, is when I think of these old school shooters, you know what my mind goes to on PC that I got back in the day a long time ago? Tribes of Sension. Tribes of Sension. I think you and I talked about before on I PC. I used to the love big, Star like, Siege Tribes. Yes, that's the one, love, Gary. You Planet Side. It was another one, kind of Planet the, same, Side, uh, uh -huh. the same era. You used to love it. Uh, those, those games were super, super fun. And again, you go back and look at them now, look at old YouTube videos. Oh, man, how did I ever play this? It looks like shit, right? Because, you know, we didn't know any better back then, but... I don't know. I, 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 I'm such an old man, and I do, I do sometimes get, get a little bit nostalgic about this and kind of feel like there is something that was going on in PC gaming in the 90s, whether it be Star Siege, Unreal Tournament, Quake, Planet Side, those kind of games. That are, there's nothing quite like them today. I mean, don't, don't get me wrong. Modern gaming is terrific. I'm not an old man uh, you know, yelling at clouds here or anything. I'm, I'm loving my life as a video gamer these days. We've never had it so good. But there are a few things that I used to really, really enjoy, like particular ways that games did things, a particular kind of vibe or a feel that you got from like PC gaming in the 90s. The, I don't know if there's anything these days that really kind of captures that same, that same essence. That was a really cool time. And you know what gives me those kind of like tribes vibes from back in the day that's coming hopefully soon is Exomecha. That one game mm -hmm. we saw that was kind of like the big battlefield a lot of people on there but it also had like the crazy power rangers transformer and the dino bot and then a bunch of jabronis running around underneath them like 
that definitely gives me some good old school uh, PC 90s vibes for sure. I can't wait to get into. So for me, Gary, uh, I clearly don't know Quake, so I'm off of Quake. And when I go down the list, it's funny. I talked to you and Paris and the gang, right? I got to review Gran Turismo 7 recently, and I have fallen in love with the track racer now. I okay. really, really enjoy you it. Like fiddling and, with the spot plugs yeah, and, and that kind I, of stuff? All right. I like that each every time you try to get on the track, get a little bit better, maybe retune your car, go into certain races, knowing that you can only have X, Y, and Z on that certain car type. I really, really enjoyed it. And so Gran Turismo 7 got me even more excited now for the brand new Forza Motorsport, right? Where we're going to go on the track and it's going to be kind of that really intense semi vibe compared to Forza Horizon 5, which I think anybody can get into as a racing fan. But for me, I am excited to get on the track. Now, am I going to use my pick on Forza Motorsport 7? I'm not, but I do want to hype that up. I also want to hype up another one, Killer Instinct. I know a lot of people got mad at our take. You know, we took some time. I've played Killer Instinct for the past two and a half weeks now. I watched the big documentary. I really, really have come to love Killer Instinct and actually really enjoy it. So I've come full circle on that. And I, I respect those people who want to see it return. I think the story, Gary, I was kind of hinting at last week. I know you weren't here, but this documentary was really, really good, Gary. It was very interesting to hear about Double Helix and how they got involved and created Killer Instinct for that Xbox One console. And then the kind of move of like, oh, we've been purchased now Iron Galaxy is going to take over and what that reception was like and how they got it to the point that it is today. I actually really, a lot of respect, a lot of enjoyment for Killer Instinct over these past couple of weeks that I've been playing it, but I am going to lean on the one that I talked about earlier. It's Fable 2. This is my Fable, Gary. This is the game that I think a lot of people hold in high regard when you look back on the Xbox history. I think Fable 1, a lot of people love. Shout out to Alana Pierce who talks about Fable. I think it's the Lost Pages. She'll correct me on that one. And then Fable 3 and 2. But for Fable 2, I'll never forget that, Gary, right? The decision-making on good or bad and the outcome it has on your visual look, right? I wanted those kind of devil horns and the cracked face. So I looked oh, yeah. really mean and intimidating because I was making bad choices as I mean, a bad Fable was kid. doing that before Mass Effect. We might, 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 we might not have Mass Effect or not for Fable. The whole thing of like the choices you make really do kind of become who you are. And I remember the original Fable, the very first time I was like playing like a bad playthrough, kind of a malevolent playthrough. And the very first time I went into a village and people were like running away from me because oh. they were, you know, my reputation preceded me and they were afraid of me. It was like, wow, this actually really, well, I feel like I'm really, you know, kind of owning and, and feeling the consequences of my choices kind of playing out in front of me. It was really cool. I loved that one, Gary. And it was really special to me. So I think the choices and the fun, right. It was kind of more of the, it was more kind of, geared towards kids in my mind with the art style that it had, right? And it wasn't overly complicated with uh, combat at all, but I really enjoyed Fable 2, and I, I would play that back in a heartbeat, and I'd add it to my collection anytime. Listen, there's a reason why I keep going on about the you know, the, the new Fable. You know, no, it's, it's, you it's, know it's it, again, for, for me, it was the original one, because that was, you know, okay. the, the, I, I think they're all terrific, but that first one was, it, it was the first game that it really felt like something genuinely new. It was the first kind of role-playing game that felt like they were they were trying to do something really new and, and there's another one like skyrim you know where you feel like you live in that world and you own that character you can buy a house raise a family have kids and you just feel yeah. like you you know you've got this whole other alter ego happening in the in the fable universe i loved it uh shout out to alana pierce uh for my correction it was fable the lost chapters i was very close go. on that she always taught me and gary about that back when we first started the x cast 
Uh, Roger, I turn to you for row number four. What are you picking out of these five? I'm picking uh, Killer Instinct because I don't want a Twitter clip. <laughs> oh, they, you, you've chosen with the right crew right there. Roger, I'll tell you what, it's fun. Yeah, it is really I can imagine. Cool it looks great. actually learn it. It's fun. I, I didn't understand. Like, I mean, clearly you understand the combos and what's going on there, but there's this other moment where you have to finish the combo to take away the actual big health chunk or else they can gain the health back. Oh. And so it was really fun to, like, start to learn that mechanic and then also understand, like, the combo breakers and what that means of, like, if I'm getting beat up on, I can get out of that and kind of get a quick reset and a breath. I really enjoyed. I do think the characters are pretty wild and out there. I, I'm having some fun jumping from them. So respect to Killer Instinct and respect to you, Roger, for making the right choice before the YouTube comments come <laughs> after you, our new producer. And, and by the way, here. Mike, you took it on the chin when you said we took some flack for Killer Instinct. Yeah. Let's let you know you, you don't have to take a bullet for me. It was me. I took the flack. <laughs> I, mean, the all limits. I don't think people really give a shit about Killer Instinct. Well, it turns out a lot of people do. <laughs> a lot of people give a do. shit about Killer Instinct. It's just me that doesn't. But you're right about the history of it, and it goes back even further than you know, kind of bringing it back to the Xbox One. Again, I remember when um, the first iteration, back when it was rare, and it was yes. a really interesting kind of hybrid. It was a Nintendo 64 game, but it was also in the arcades, and it shared some technology. It was kind of like a you know parallel development, and um, of course, it was born out of you know the fact that you know uh, in the in the early to mid 90s, Mortal Kombat you know just blew everyone away, and everybody was looking, you know, to capitalize on that. And there were so many, so many failed and forgotten Mortal Kombat clones that came out in the 90s. They're desperately trying to jump on that bandwagon. And to Killer Instinct's credit, it's really the only one that's for, that I can think of that, that ever established any kind of foothold and identity for itself. Like, it didn't even come close to toppling Mortal Kombat, which remains, you know, the king of that space, even to this day, right? Mortal Kombat 11, like, it's huge. Um, but the fact that Killer Instinct even, like, went toe-to-toe -to -toe with Mortal Kombat tried to jump on that bandwagon and and came away you know with any kind of respect at all is really remarkable because i can't think of a single other mortal kombat wannabe or copycat whatever you want to call it a mortal kombat style game that did anything other than just like crash and burn spectacularly but killer instinct did make a little space for itself in fighting game history and you know deserves credit for that i want to give a shout out right now over onto our patreon live stream remember if you support over on patreon.com Slash kind of funny games. You can watch the show recorded live and you can be part of the chat just like my good friend Kevin Ace X is. Kevin writes, Mike is bad at Killer Instinct too, which is why he's not picking it. I know because I destroyed him in that game. Yes, Kevin is my sensei in the dojo of Killer Instinct and he beats up on me and never lets me win. That's why I'm not picking it. But let's go down to the final row to complete our ultimate Xbox collection right now. So the final five are the following. PGR4, a.k.a. Project Gotham Racing 4. Perfect Dark, the original, folks. That's not Perfect Dark Zero. Perfect Dark. Alan Wake, Fallout New Vegas, Sea of Thieves. One more time for all you audio listeners out there. That's Project Gotham Racing 4, Perfect Dark, Alan Wake, uh, Fallout New Vegas, and Sea of Thieves. Gary Witt some real heavy hitters here on the final line. What are you going with? It's weird because I picked, I mean, I, I don't think necessarily one choice needs to inform another. And I picked Forza Horizon 4 earlier. Of the ones at the bottom here, I'm going to go with PGR 4. And it's more of a vote for the series than it is for the game. Because my personal favorite game out of that series is PGR 3. Okay. I loved, loved Project Gotham Racing 3 um, on the on the Xbox 360. And obviously now it's kind of been taken over. Like Forza basically is kind of the spiritual successor, right, to to pgr3 and, and a lot of the gameplay systems and mechanics that were established 
in Project Gotham Racing, and now kind of you know, you, you see them in slightly different forms in in Forza. So Forza is basically kind of the you know, is, is what PGR three kind of weirdly turned into. But I just have so many fondness that I played the hell out of PGR three, and I love PGR four. Again, correct me if I'm wrong. Um, YouTube comments, which I will never read. Um, that they, I think it was the one where they added motorcycles to it as well, and it, it, it kind of opened the game up a bit more. But I just, I love that PGR series. I honestly wish they were still making them. Like, Forza's great, but I wish we were just on, like, PGR 9 or something by now because I really, really like the vibe, the whole kudos system that it, in, that it incorporated. I just thought it was really, really cool. And the soundtrack, the music, PG, Project Gotham Racing, that was the game that introduced me to Gorillaz. I'd never heard, oh, I'd never heard Gorillaz okay. until the 192000, you know, Soul Child uh, remix started busting out the speakers at me and i just remember like it was such a perfect soundtrack it was the game probably that one in nba street volume 2 which were you know 360 and playstation 2 with essentially the same generation those were the two games that really made me aware of like just what an amazing kind of banger soundtrack selection uh can do for a for a sports or a racing game um it was it it, it, it took it to the next level for me so i'm gonna go with pgr dang gary okay i i like that you're dropping some knowledge on me because again I'm going to turn to you, Gary, and say, I've never played a Project Gotham racing game. I was more of a Need for Speed kid. I had Need for Speed Underground 2 was always my go-to. So I actually never experienced any Project Gotham racing. And to hear you talk about it with such fondness always gets me interested and excited to like think back on history and what that would have been. Because I didn't really play that. I had a lot of other racing games I was playing, but... Not PGR forever. I never played. I don't know. I don't know if I don't know if any of them are on back compat. Um, but if certainly a PGR three, if ever if you ever get an opportunity to 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 see, it, if you ever see like an Xbox three hundred and sixty disc at a flea market or something, grab it because I, I okay. it's, it's tremendous. It's so much fun. Ooh, okay, I like that. Well, going down the list for me, Gary, it's interesting because I, I, you know, I said at the beginning of the show or the beginning of this topic that I was going to go big brain, right? I was going to build my ultimate collection of different genres, and then I've kind of gone with two RPGs. I got a really cool 3D or platformer with Ori, and then I have Halo 3, and now I get stuck because I'm eyeing Fallout New Vegas, Gary, right? That's one of my favorite games of all time. Obsidian absolutely crushed it, really brought me into the Fallout world because I liked Fallout 3, I liked DC, but I think New Vegas was way more fun, and I actually prefer New Vegas over 4 as well. I don't really care for Fallout 4 when you put New Vegas next to it, so... It's like, oh, man, am I going to go with another sprawling open world RPG here? A little bit different than Skyrim, but still in the same vein. And then I turn my attention over to Perfect Dark, Gary. This is an OG N64 game that I have fond memories of. Everybody talks about Goldeneye, but not enough people put respect on Perfect Dark and what that brought in to the couch co-op, first-person shooter, split-screen action that it was, right? Because Goldeneye is great. Don't get me wrong. I love GoldenEye. But what Perfect Dark did where you could add in bots, you had the laptop gun that acted like a turret if you threw it up in the corner. There was crazy outfits where you could be an alien and beyond. And the maps were really, really cool. Like, Perfect Dark is badass to me. And I've always loved Perfect Dark. And that's even coming from a guy who played a lot of Perfect Dark Zero. And I know a lot of people didn't like that. But I loved Perfect Dark Zero multiplayer. I played hours of that hundreds of hours of that on the uh, 360 back in the day. I turned my attention to Alan Wake, Gary. This is a game that I just can't get into. I am so sick of dying to these ghosts because I can't find enough batteries in my playthrough, so I've never been able to complete it. I keep trying, and I just keep failing in this game. And then, of course, Sea of Thieves. I think Sea of Thieves is just really fun. It's different. It's exciting. I love 
what Rare did with Sea of Thieves, and it continues to get better and better. And so I am going to turn my attention. I'm going to go with to complete my collection here. I'm going to go with Sea of Thieves. I think this is a blast where you create the story. You and your friends set sail and have a ton of fun. And I think you can get lost for hours. Given that I'm on a, you know, abandoned island with internets, I think Sea of Thieves would be a ton of fun for me and the gang for sure. I'm just a little bit confused about the Perfect Dark selection here because they're saying Perfect Dark. Perfect Dark was an N64 game. Correct. Perfect Dark Zero was on the Xbox 360. So if this is meant to be mm -hmm. a, an Xbox grid, that Perfect Dark slot should be specifically for Perfect Dark Zero, which I, I mean, believe is the only one that actually was on the Xbox. Right? And Banjo-Kazooie's on here too. Yeah, but you got yeah. Banjo. I think they're giving love to Rare, who, whoever created this. So people in the comments, don't get mad at us. We didn't create this. We're playing the fun pick them, but yeah, yeah they added a Banjo of in there. Choices in here, but yeah. Mm -hmm. I think that's just like kind of like the fan favorites and like they're giving love to Rare, who's now a first party studio. And like, Perfect Dark 1, I think more people would give sh flowers to than Perfect Dark 0, but Perfect Dark 0 was fun. It was on the Xbox, but, or Xbox. Yeah, I was kind of thrown Xbox. by Quake as well, but then again, I, I, I gave it a pass because, again, they, they did that RTX remaster recently, mm -hmm. put it on the Xbox, but yeah, okay. I mean, but you, can, you can play Perfect Dark, the original, over on the Rare Replay. So if you ever want to try that, I highly recommend you do, along with Conquer's Bad Fur Day, one of my favorite games of all time. Those multiplayers are incredible. That's so right. I'm going to go with Sea Replay as well. That's right. Yeah. I'm going to go with Sea of Thieves for me. I think that's a ton of fun. Uh, I will give my big shout out to Fallout New Vegas. I'm sure a lot of people in the comments will go with that one when we look at these lists over in the YouTube comments. Roger, you get to finish this fun segment off. What are you going to pick for your final game? I'm going for Fallout New Vegas, man. I just okay. love that game so much. And I, th I think that it's about, I think it's going to happen. It's inevitable that Obsidian is going to come back to the Fallout franchise in some shape, shape or form. So. I think this is a great one to show to somebody and be like, hey, this could be, imagine this, but even better. And that I think that'll yes. blow some people's minds. That'll make people uh, Xbox fans for sure. I love that. So Gary Witter, we're going to look at this list one final time. We're going to give our five, and then we'll get out of this topic. So for me, I went with Halo 3, Ori and the Will of the Wisps, Elder Scrolls V Skyrim, Fable 2, and Sea of Thieves were my five picks out of the 25 tiles here. Gary, what were your five picks? It's funny, again, I wasn't really thinking of, uh, as a collection, but just like out of each out of each row, which would you pick? Because like I've ended up with two games that that would, would kind of occupy the same space in Forza and um and PGR four, Forza four and PGR four. But yeah, my my overall five uh in the end was Doom, Gears of War two, Forza Four, uh Quake, and PGR four. Very solid picks right there. Of course, kind of funny best friends and all of the XCast audience out there. I want to hear from you. Let us know in the comments down below if you're watching over on YouTube. If you're listening on podcast services, come over to the YouTube. Drop a little thumbs up on the video. And, of course, leave your five out of this set. Don't come after me and Gary because your favorite Xbox franchise is, uh, isn't on here. That's not how this pick'em works, okay? We got the board. We picked off of the board, okay? So enjoy it. Let's have some fun with it. But, Gary, it is heading towards the end of the show. And we're going to finish the show with something very, very special. Because Fall Guys is finally on Xbox. Oh, After yes. two full years, the Xbox audience can finally jump in to the ultimate obstacle course battle royale jelly bean battle, which is Fall Guys. Here's the big deets that people need to know about. Of course, it's free to play. There's cross progression and cross play. There's brand new rounds. There's a hundred level season pass, mm -hmm. battle pass that's currently available. The new rounds are as follows for the stadium edition two new finals, and five new rounds. The finals are Blast Ball and Hexa Ring. The rounds are the Swiveller, Speed Circuit, Bounce Party, 
Volley Fall and Track Attack. Gary, you and I have played a bunch of this already, and it just came out, I think, on Tuesday that early. So what game, What game? what is your favorite round thus far out of the new games? I will say overall, and you and I have talked about this because we, we, we've played it a few times through through the week, Mike, is I think this new season is the best one they've done in a while. I love this new, this new season. I don't dislike any of the games. I think they've been really, really good. I love the speed. I can't, I'm going to blank on the names of them, but I love the speed course. Is yes. really when you're running through those rings and like you like, yep. Really, mm-hmm. really. You usually you don't think of a of, of fall guys are like a fast paced, fast moving game, but like that level really, really is. I like volley fall a lot, and I really like that the blast ball. The new final round is a ton of fun as well. Yeah, blast ball is really, really cool because you're on this just giant circular platform, and it's essentially dodgeballs with these little bombs that you throw at each other, but the platforms start to fall piece by piece off until you get this really intense small circle that you have to fight on, which is a ton of fun. Shout out to Blast Ball. I think Hexaring is a very awesome finals. This team crushed these two finals. And Gary, you and I have been playing Fall Guys since season since day one, essentially. And I think this team really nailed it with five new rounds to get lost in and two new finals. I think when we look at other previous seasons, this is important to get as much content out as possible because you know everybody's going to be chewing through that, especially the Xbox audience who has just been waiting for years to be able to play this. And the two yeah. finals are a ton of fun. Hexaring is challenging. I'll give a little pro tip to all you best friends out there. On Hexaring, just start running forward. Don't dilly-dally and try to eat up tiles. Don't go sideways. Don't be jumping up and down. If you want to win Hexaring, you truly need to just face forward and start running and then slowly start to edge a little to the left and right to give yourself some space. But the moment you slow down in Hexaring, oh man, you got oh you to you you stay on that leading edge. You just cannot, you cannot lose any ground at all, right? You can't lose anything. It's right. And I, I love everything that they've done here, right? They've taken away the crowns, which used to be right. an in-game currency. And so now it's just kudos. And of course, an in-game uh, real world. Yeah. Show bucks, which is real world currency. And it feels like Fortnite, right? When you open up this game, you're going to see the battle pass with 100 levels, right. just like Fortnite. It's an Epic Games game They've now got with the They got the V-Bucks, a.k.a. the Show Bucks, where you're going to see an updated store every single day. And you're going to mm-hmm. be encouraged to either spend real world Cosmetics, money yeah. or kudos, which is just your in-game currency, right? So I think they did a really good job. And you clearly see the support from Epic Games. This is a really special game. You're going to sign in with your Epic Games profile. So you get the cross progression and the cross play. And so it's a ton of fun. I'm happy it's free to play as well. I think it would have been great on Game Pass. But either way, not having to pay for it is a special thing. And Gary Witta, this is going to be one of those free to play titles where as we continue to grow that free to play xCloud market, right? Just like Fortnite, where you'll be able to sign into xCloud with or without an Xbox Live account and without a, you know, Xbox Game Pass subscription, I should say. You'll be able to play this. And I think that's a big win once they add that into this collection, for sure. Yeah, I'm just so glad we finally got to this moment. Like, we, we've been waiting for the, the Xbox version and the Nintendo Switch version, you know, really, really since launch day, right? When it was exclusive yeah. to PlayStation and PC. And certainly after they announced it, it feels like it's taken a long time to get here. And like, like you said, Mike, you've been playing, remember you were playing it even before me, you were playing it in the beta. And I, I jumped on the bandwagon, uh, shortly, I think right at the official launch and you know you and I have always been uh, been big Fall Guys fans I absolutely love it I've never never stopped playing Fall Guys always really enjoyed it it's been fascinating to track the history of it from when it first came on the scene a couple of years ago it was the biggest thing right everyone was there was that moment where everyone was obsessed with 
with Fall Guys right before Animal Crossing came and took over. And then, you know, in, in the next in, over the next year or so, yeah, it's kind of fallen off a little bit. People move on to the next thing. But that's why I think this this new free to play revolution um is is so critical to giving giving a new lease on life it's now on every platform everyone with the nintendo switch everyone on xbox can get in we can all play with each other cross play cross progression free to play from what i've seen i don't think the monetization is too aggressive it looks like they found a good balance for it we can all play together you and i were just we're running custom lobbies across multiple you know cross platforms just last night and just having a great time. I just love the game so much. Like, there's no game that makes you kind of like hoot and holler like Fall Guys. It's so much fun. I'm looking on Twitch right now. There's, there's 50,000 people playing it on Twitch right now. That's as many as Call of Duty Warzone. So it's back. Like in terms of the numbers, people are obviously jumping on jumping on board now that it's free to play and accessible to, to them on platforms that they couldn't have access to it before. I'm really, really hoping that that, that this kind of like this this new rebirth of Fall Guys is going to stick around for a while because I'm such a big fan of it. I'm glad that we can all play together finally. Smiling from ear to ear, Gary. Here's one final thing for all of you XCast listeners and viewers out there to know about. Of course, this is your second half of June Xbox Game Pass update out right now. Shadowrun Trilogy on cloud and console. That's an ID at Xbox joint. This is a game that a lot of people have talked about this trilogy. So I'm going to give it a try, see if I vibe with it. For you PC players out there, Total War Three Kingdoms is now out. FIFA 22 is on console and PC, thanks to EA Play. Uh, shout out to EA Play and shout out to FIFA, which is a great game. You get the brand new version. Naraka Blade Point is out on cloud, console, and PC. If you're looking for a kind of hack and slash team-based battle royale where like you're ninjas and samurais and crazy mystical creatures and you want to battle each other, Naraka Blade Point is actually pretty fun. I played I'm it over on the I'm actually going to give it a try this weekend. I'm and, curious uh, about it, yeah. It's worth a try for all of you to jump into. So go check out Naraka Blade Point. And then out on July 1st, Far Cry 5 on cloud console and PC. So shout out to Ubisoft for that one coming over to the collection there. And you can play Far Cry 5. But with that, kind of funny best friends and the XCast audience, thank you all so much for tuning in and watching another week of the kind of funny XCast. We're barreling tur towards episode 100 which we're very excited about we're going wow. to get a special guest we're definitely going to try to get alana pierce back on here to hang out and tell some stories and some memories gary it's just you and i this week and i gotta say it's crazy to think that you and i you had the idea we put it together it was going to be a three episode pilot and look at us now just coming up on 100 100 who, who, who'd have thunk it so thank you for everything, Gary, and thank you to our audience who always supports us and is rocking with us as we talk all things Xbox and video games. That has been another Kind of Funny X-Cast for the week. We'll see you back here, gamers. So have a wonderful weekend. Play a bunch of games. Peace.